the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided our world has become? We desperately need stories of peace and healing. We find the bridge builders across the globe who are stepping into the divides of culture and bringing understanding, compassion, and reconciliation. And now, here's your hosts, Jonathan Sanborn and Lisa Jernigan. Well, welcome to Counterculture Radio this morning. This afternoon, whenever you're listening to it, I don't know what time of the day it is. Um, but I am Lisa Jernigan, and normally I would introduce Jonathan Sanborn, but Jonathan's out of the studio today, so I'm doing it solo. So I think I have the the mic, which means Jonathan should be very worried uh, to listen to this later because I have control, and you never know what's going to happen. But I'm really not alone. Because sitting with me in the studio today is our guest, which I'm really excited to learn more about the work and the heart behind the work. So sitting with me today is Michelle Clements. And I gotta, I have to read this because it's a <laughs> long title. Okay. It is, yes, long. Um, she is the VP of Development and Communications at Arizona Baptist Children's Services and Family Ministries. Now, did I get that right? You did. 100%. Okay. That's a lot. Like, mm-hmm. how do you put that on a business card? Yeah, it takes up a lot of space. Usually we try to shorten it sometimes, but we want to make sure that people know that we serve the full spectrum of families, right. not just children, but also adults. Well, that and that's good because you don't want to cut it short. But I can only imagine when you're filling out forms and you're like, mm-hmm. here's where I work, da, 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 and you run out yes. of space, right? We're calling people. I rarely say all seven words when calling people. It's a little <laughs> bit much. Yes, yes. Well, we're super excited to have you in the studio today. And I don't know much about this long title, Arizona Baptist, mm-hmm. um, and, and the work you're doing, but I know it's really needed. And I know what the work you're doing in the space in which you're doing it at um, meets needs. And so on Counterculture, we're always excited to sit and listen to practitioners that are really in the weeds in our community, trying to make our community better for all, and especially like children's and family. Um, it's great. But I want to share, first of all, I, I read a fun fact about you. Okay. So you graduated high school in Aruba. <laughs> yes, I correct? did. So mm-hmm. how long did you live in Aruba? Just one year. One year Just was one enough year to graduate. Paradise. Yes. Mm-hmm. Senior year of high school. And that's pretty cool to say, right? Yes, yeah. it is. I usually put that on. You know the hum- human bingo games you can play? Yeah. We always add that one because there's nobody else in the room usually that has that well, one. And you can also do that with two truths and a lie, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is you ran a marathon in Rome. Now, first of all, you have me at marathon because <laughs> I've never done that. And I, I just admire anybody that runs a marathon. But then in Rome... And I've been to Rome, and I've seen those streets. So, yes, the cobblestone. Yes, it's not your friend, especially when you have knee issues. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! 
Yeah, it's kind of a long story how I ended up there, but it probably wouldn't have been by my choice, but it was through my job at the time, the American Diabetes Association, and we were doing travel marathons. So I kind of got roped in, into it that way. So it was quite a while ago, but yes, I finished and completed the full 26.2 miles on the cobblestone drinking bubbly water. And uh, it was an experience, but it was amazing. I got to ran, you know, run past all the major things. The Pope was actually doing a mass while we ran by. So wow, yes, incredible. Coliseum, all of that. Yes. Well, and you're and you're running on roads that have been thousands of years, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, they didn't run. They didn't pave them for marathons. So. <laughs> they did not. No. <laughs> well, that's cool. That's a great. That's a great um, accomplishment. Thank you. So yeah, I love it because you have those are unique things to put. When you're doing icebreakers, you're always looking for good stories, right? Absolutely. A good story to say that's unique. Okay, so tell us a little bit about Arizona Baptist, and I'm going to stop right there. You can (laughs) fill in the blank. (laughs) Children's Services and Family Ministries. Yes, Yes. that one. Well, we've been around since 1960, so we've been in the state a long time. We started as a home for displaced children. Um, We grew to have multiple homes over the years. We currently don't have that model anymore. Um, As the state shifted how they take care of child welfare, we did as well to meet those needs. And so we are a foster care agency, so we place, you know, children in licensed foster homes, and that's how we still meet the need of displaced children currently today. Uh, We have seven ministries under our umbrella, though, so foster care is just one. Okay, so what are some of your other ministries? Yeah, we have pro-life pregnancy centers. We have seven around the state, um, and so that's one of my favorite ministries. We have a counseling ministry. We have a resource center ministry, which is essentially food and clothing. In Tucson, we have a transitional program, and then we also have a ministry for senior adults. Mm. I can keep going, but usually I just list the first few, you know. Well, that's a, I, that's that's good. That's mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, that's a lot for even you to memorize and stay on top of. It so is. are you several locations in the state? Yes, we have five regions across the state. So obviously here in Maricopa County is our central region. We're also in southern Arizona, and our headquarters are actually in Tucson. Mm. Um, we're in Yuma and northern Arizona, primarily in Flagstaff and in Prescott, and then in eastern Arizona. And we have an office in Sholo. Okay, so all those communities. I used to live in Yuma, mm-hmm. um, and I know, like, just being up in northern Arizona, being here, um, there's unique challenges and unique. Um, each community is a little different, right? Because you got Yuma, that's a border town, and you got these different ones. So, how do you, it, it, though you're one organization, but each community has its own distinct needs? How do you stay on top of that and learn? And then you even take an effect. It's post COVID. Sure. which has changed everything. everything. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like for you guys as and you and your leadership? Absolutely. I love this question. Thank you okay. so much for asking that. It is something that takes a constant intentionality and balance to be able to serve across the state. Because as you know, having lived in Yuma, I also have you know, traveled to different parts. They have their own personalities. They mm-hmm. have their own needs, their own issues and concerns. And so we don't think of ourselves as like a corporate nonprofit. While our headquarters are in Tucson, we very very much are local up. We build relationships in the local community and rely heavily on our leaders and our staff in that community to help direct the ministry and the programs there. And of course, you know, the support comes out of Tucson and our Phoenix office. And, you know, we offer all the things that they need. But in terms of the relationship piece and how to best meet the needs of the community, we're very much reliant on our staff for that. And they do a tremendous job. 
So what you're saying is not like a cookie cutter approach. It's not. What it's works not. in one community, you don't take and just take that model and and transport it to no, another community. That rarely works, yeah, at least in my experience. Sure. And and I've been there about ten years. So uh, when I started, it looked a little bit different. And obviously, we have put in some more commonality and some more structure just to help us stay organized. But we very much are intentional about leaving that balance to allow for input from the regions, from the local communities, which is so important to listen to the community. Mm-hmm. and let the community tell you their needs. Absolutely. Because so many times we go in, whether it's a community or it's a church or it's an organization, and we want to tell them what they need mm-hmm. instead of asking them Correct. to tell us, right? Right. Instead of going in with our plan and just saying, yes. hey, here's what we're going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're going to make it work. Yeah. And which- actually, that's kind of how we evolved to have seven ministries. That would not be my preference as the person in charge of communications. Um, it's a lot to talk about besides having a very long name. But um, traditionally, we have expanded the ministry when a door has been opened to us. Mm. So either a pastor comes alongside and invites us into his community or his church, um, you know, a leader in the community, something happens to initiate that. It's I can't even think of maybe one or two examples in the 10 years I've been there where we're sort of looking for an opportunity. We get lots of those invitations. We have to be prayerful about it because we are a ministry and nonprofit with limited resources. And then, you know, we just listen to the Lord and go where he sends us. But we wait for that open door. That's important, I think, because then, you know, it's really God leading Mm -hmm. and there's really a need Mm -hmm. instead of us trying to make it happen. So explain a little bit about the work. So if somebody calls you from, let's just say Yuma, Mm -hmm. what might be a request? What might an engagement, kind of a partnership collaboration look like where you're going in there doing a listening tour, I would kind of think, Mm -hmm. to listen to them? So what would be a a request and what what would be your kind of solution. Sure. You mean for a request from a partner? A right. Partner. Right. Yes. I'm hesitant to even say because we'll probably get a bunch of phone calls. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, usually, we'll send them Jonathan's yes, way. Right. Okay, exactly. Because he's not here. Perfect. Uh, usually that looks like a specific request. So we, we have pastors that call up, for example, our counseling ministry to have them on site or to be able to partner with us. A lot of times pastors are put in an awkward position where they are sort of made to be the counselor and some are very pastoral and some are not. But even if you are, a lot of times those conversations very quickly go beyond what the pastor's capacity is. Sure. And so we're there to sort of step in and bridge that gap. So that's a great example. We partner with a lot of churches and pastors across the state to help meet that need and to sort of intervene when families couples, individuals need something a little bit more. Um, some, some churches have approached us about having a food bank on campus. Uh, in Tucson, Caring Ministries is a, a food program that's under our umbrella. They actually go out and drop off food every week mm. to dozens of churches so that the churches can give out food in their community. So it's really a wide variety of different things. Um, and, you know, we do have the, the local person sort of receive that request. But obviously for the bigger things that involve staff and resources, that'll be a collaborative effort with our leadership as well, with our statewide wow. leadership. So you're basically providing resources. Mm-hmm. In these seven different ministry areas, like whether it could be food bank, it could be physical needs, it could be spiritual needs, exactly. emotional needs. Those three. You hit it right on the right? head. Right? Mm-hmm. So somebody goes, okay, we this is above our pay grade. Mm-hmm. It's above our what we can provide. Mm-hmm. And so they would come to you yes. and you would go, here's 
we kind of did an assessment and go, here's what we can provide. Absolutely. And we don't have all seven ministries in all the regions because it right. is customized. So, But a lot of our, our intake, if you will, or the calls that we receive and the visitors are, are obviously client-based and people who are coming to receive those services. And so much of what we do, probably a greater percentage is just, you know, people on the ground. We've got a lot of our folks that are ministry-oriented that are out there praying with people, giving them a food box. And so, you know, definitely we're meeting needs, but we know those needs are endless. It's a black hole. We'll never be able to fill it. And so we really look to have those spiritual conversations to connect. We build long-term relationships with clients. At our pregnancy centers, sometimes they come in for four or five years at a time. Wow. And we are like their friends, their neighbors, their family. And so that's the kind of support that we look to offer. Which you just hit a key thing, relationships, because it's everything. Mm-hmm. And we live in a, in a culture that we want quick fixes and we don't really take time for relationships, so right? True. We're in and out and because relationships are messy. I mean, and they can be hurtful sometimes, and, and, uh, but they're also beautiful and they're needed. And yeah. what people don't realize so many times is um, – we need to really engage in relationships when you don't really need them, <laughs> right? <laughs> proactively. Because proactively 100%. going, I, I need people in my life. But you talk to so many people like, I'm fine, thank you, and I'm busy, and I'm doing life. But they don't realize we everyone was wired for relationships, and we need to, to be developing those relationships so that it's not if a crisis, but when – Something exactly. happens that we have this community around us that knows us because that's not the time you're going to start working on a friendship. That's exactly it. A lot of our ministries are preventative in nature that way, just right. through the relationship building. And, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about COVID and the pandemic, and we stayed open the whole time with modifications. You know, some things had to be closed here and there on certain days, but by and large, we were open. And it was so important to the clients that continued to come in to be able to have that personal connection during that time and, of course, to get the resources that they need. And so one of our core values is to build relationships through trust and respect. And, you know, that's not a one and done. It's not a one smile and a one hello. That does take multiple interactions where you're building that relational equity and you're building trust with people. They're not really going to share a whole lot about their lives until you have that. But once they do, they just open up. And we love to be that safe place for individuals and families to come to. Well, trust is a key word Mm -hmm. because we don't trust people. And rightly so a lot of times because people have proven to be untrustworthy. So to find somebody that really cares, Mm -hmm. that doesn't have an agenda, that just like I I see you and I just we just want to come alongside you is everything to somebody. It is. And I, I should have mentioned, obviously, foster care is a state contract. So we have two state contracts, and Parent is the other one. So we're working with families who have had their kids removed by DCS. And this is part of their plan that the judge mandates where they have supervised visits. So we're involved on both the, the side with the bio families and with the foster families. And I'm just highlighting that because that is an area where trust has been broken so oh, many sure. times. And there's so many hurdles and obstacles to come, you know, overcome to be able to build that trust with those families who are in horrifically difficult circumstances. And sure, maybe they had a piece in it. Maybe they didn't. You know, sometimes it's just generational and there are things that have happened to them. They just don't know how to cope. Um, and sometimes it is their choices. But either way, we're there to try to build that trust to help them reunify with their children and to be able to get to a healthy place. And what I hear you saying, we're not there to judge. Right. 
I was like, we, we, however you got here, that's not ours to judge. Because it can be a lot of different scenarios that got somebody to the place, that place that nobody wants to be. But now that you're here, we want to help you stop that mm-hmm. and continue in a better in a better place, in a better way. Absolutely. Grace is so important. And I think as a faith-based organization, we all look in the mirror and we go, well, hey, we're sinners too. We've struggled. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a foster mom myself for about a year. And going through that experience, I built a relationship with my little guy's bio mom. And, you know, I realized there wasn't that much difference between mm-hmm. us. I mean, obviously life circumstances, right. but I'm like, if you take Jesus away from me and a couple other supports that I had, this is me, you know? Exactly. I think that's the place we don't do it perfectly, of course, that we try to operate out of is, hey, we're not a level above you. We're on your level. Right. We see your hurt. We see your pain. And we want to enter into that with you. We're with you. Yeah. Right? We're not above you. Right. We're with you. Right. And I think that's really important to communicate because there is so much shame anyway when somebody comes forward and goes, I'm not doing well and I'm might lose my child or I have this crisis because you can just tell people are really hesitant because they're afraid to be judged and they, they are carrying their own shame and their own story. So if we can just help remove that and just really see their humanity first and go, okay, how can we help? Absolutely. How can we be with you in this and change the direction Absolutely. of your of your story? And that piece is so critical in our pregnancy centers that we have Mm. Um, because obviously the women – and we see men and families, grandparents come in that are Mm -hmm. raising their children. It is very much a ministry model. But when we see those women who are potentially facing an unplanned pregnancy or find out that they are, you know, they are carrying so much weight on their shoulders. And, you know, our job is to make them feel loved, to make them feel seen to make them feel heard. Um, We share with them what we do. We share with them how we'd be able to support them if they choose life for this baby and walk alongside of them. Um, But that's the end of our role, really, other than to keep praying for them. And, you Mm -hmm. know, sometimes they walk out our doors and we never see them again and we don't know what happened. Sometimes they walk out the door and they come back. Right. And we're so grateful and we get to build that four or five-year relationship with them. Sometimes they walk out our door and they still choose to terminate that pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And we're still there for them. Right. And we have a very robust and wonderful and loving post-abortion ministry where we welcome those women in at any point in their lives. Sometimes it's 20, 30 years later, mm-hmm. and they need to go through that and have that healing. Right. So again, grace, relationship, you know, those are the things that are critical to the pieces that we're trying to do. And it's, it's God's work. It's not our work. Well, and we all need that. Mm-hmm. I don't care where we are because we're all broken human beings. We need grace in our lives at different things for different reasons, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, so as we talk about this, it's an amazing work what you guys are doing. I mean, on so many levels. You in leadership, you said you've been here for like 10 years. It's got to be hard. It's got to be heavy at times because you're you're dealing with brokenness in people. And I think sometimes when you're doing this work, because being a practitioner myself in peacemaking, sometimes you get triggered in your in, in ways too that you're not expecting it because in somebody else's story you see your story. Absolutely. Right. Maybe different, but still there's those emotions and feelings. First of all, why do you feel called to this? Because I really believe to do this kind of work you have to be called because mm-hmm. it's hard. Why are you what led you and formed you to be called into this? And then how do you show up every day, right? Because <laughs> it's hard. And I know you're because you're a practitioner. And that's what we love in our show is practitioners that have the scars sure. that are going, 
this is hard work to show up every day. So can you just kind of walk us through that a little bit? Because we want to encourage people to go, let's don't stand on the sidelines of life. Mm -hmm. Um, If we say we follow Jesus, and how do we love people and show up, even when it's hard, and it's messy, and it's inconvenient, and it's uncomfortable, but I think we're all called into those spaces. It looks different for everybody, but I, you know, for me, I just go, I can't stand on the sidelines. That's it's it. not an option. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? So share with us a little yes. bit, you. Well, let me affirm it is hard. Absolutely. Um, something that I've been repeating a lot to myself and to others lately is, you know, anything that's worthwhile is rarely easy, mm-hmm. right? God calls us into the hard and the difficult, sometimes kicking and screaming, but it's it's not meant to be easy. And in fact, I'm not sure just meeting you today, if either of us would feel that passion and that call if it was just easy breezy all the time, right? I right. mean, I think that's part of our own personal growth is to be in the struggle and to be in what's hard. And so, you know, I am not a front lines person. I was a sociology major in college and sort of dabbled and did some internships. Um, and that time, everybody said, oh, sociology, become a social worker. And I knew for myself right away at a very young age, no, I can't, I can't do that. You have to be able to separate it when you come home. And so, you know, my role is a little bit different. Um, but obviously, in, in a leadership position, we deal with sort of the the bigger picture things that come our way that a lot of times the staff never even know about, whether that's, you know, finances or the budget or just our culture. You know, mm-hmm. there are difficulties sometimes. Um, you know, we partner with the state. We partner with a lot of different organizations. And collaboration isn't always easy. Mm-hmm. It can be messy. But we think it's really, really important to build those relationships. So, yeah, it has felt like probably the last, well, even through COVID, honestly, sometimes COVID seems like an easy time period, just to give you an idea. There have been multiple things that have come our way. And even at the beginning of this year, you know, January 2nd, got an email about kind of a big thing. And so, you know, it is, it's just a daily surrendering. And, you know, for all of us, just trying to stay in a place of, of peace, regardless of circumstances. And that's not a phony piece. It's okay to feel stress in the moment, but it is that constantly taking it to the Lord and saying, hey, you've got to help me today. You've got to help us with mm. this. And I know that all of our leaders are really intentional about that. We have a daily prayer call um, that's statewide. It's, it's you know online, and so every day at 11. And anybody can hop on from their phone. We use Teams you know, or wherever. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of our daily reminder of like, hey, it's, it's not ours to carry. These burdens are not ours alone. And, and you really can't do it without that because you will burn out. And you will you will just lose the passion. But we are very big on calling to your point um, for every position, regardless of what position you hold at Arizona Baptist Children's Services. You know, we want you to feel called because we know you're not going to enjoy it and you're not going to make it if Mm -hmm. you're not because ministry is really hard. But I'm just really grateful. I really admire our frontline practitioners who are out there that – You know, it's really heavy stuff. Even just our our staff meeting in Phoenix on Monday, man, there were some really tough, tough prayer requests that were shared about clients and incredibly difficult circumstances that they're walking through. And so even my role in leadership is to lift up our staff that are in the field and on the ground to make sure that they're supported and feel enabled to pour out into the families day Mm -hmm. after day. Right. It's so good. And even what you're saying is to recognize some boundaries, mm-hmm. right? I can't carry this. It's not always mine. I show up and I do what I, the best I can do and I leave it to God and go, this is yours, 
right? I'm joining you. Mm -hmm. This is your work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really good because sometimes I think we carry things that aren't ours to carry, but they're God's. And we get those roles mixed up. And to be able to realize it's okay, I don't have to carry this part. And let it go. It's so freeing. Yes. It's so freeing, but it's so hard. It's so hard. I'm not going to lie. There have been days where I imagine, you know, having a a job that – you know, I don't know exactly, maybe food service or something, but where it's really hard still, but you show up and then you go home and you don't necessarily have to take it home with you. Right. You know, sometimes <laughs> I dream about a job like that. And, you know, for myself and, and our team, because the work never ends. And honestly, it feels like probably 90% of my to-do list moves over, you know, to wow. the next day. And so it is just finding peace with that. You know what? I'm human. Today, I did the best I could do today. And I got to feel good about that. And tomorrow's another day. And I love what you just said. Um, I, today I did the best I could do. And if even at the end of the day, for all of us, a challenge is when you, when you put your head down at night, go, did I love well today? Yes. Right? Ask yourself Absolutely. that question. Did I love well today? Mm-hmm. Did I show up well? I love that. Am I best self? And I think that's a question we can all ask ourselves, no matter what we're doing. Okay, we have to wrap this up. And I've been so enjoyed... Just I feel like we could heart. talk another hour. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I know I could. Mm-hmm. And I think you can too. Yes. Um, how do people find you in this amazing work? Uh, where do they go? And Great yeah. question. This is the shortest thing that I have to say today, which is <laughs> abcs.org. So abcs.org is our website. Of course, there's seven websites under that one website. But from there, you can navigate to any of the ministries, to the volunteer page, to the donate page uh, about us. Just learn more. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing this amazing work, sharing your heart, putting the human side to all of this. And you know, we all need to, to get involved because it's our community. It's the kingdom. God's calling us all to be involved in some way. Again, thank you for listening to Counterculture, and we just encourage you to show up in the spaces God is calling you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Amplify Peace, educating, immersing, training, and launching peacemakers to build united communities. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.